lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. Greetings and happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand, right here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. My name is Steve Dace. He is Todd Erzin. Over there is Aaron McIntyre. And on the other side there is you. Let us know what you think about what we think. You can do so by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Do those things now while you still can. Or just uh, skip all the censorship and follow Steve Dace, me, on MeWe, Parlor and Gab instead. And at Steve Dace Show on Getter, G-E-T-T-R, instead as well. And get clips of the show that you can watch free of censorship and free to view at rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. That is rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. I owe my publisher an apology. Like two weeks have gone by and I haven't even mentioned the fact we have a, another book out right now. I, I'm just, I'm not really good at self-promotion, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Not when it comes to peddling wares. I am, I'm, I'm, I'm shameless at it. When it comes to the ideological arena, but when it comes to peddling wares, I, I, I need some work. Okay. Well, in your defense, you've also had like a book out nonstop for like the last, <laughs> what, year plus? So it's just kind of assumed it's there. That's There's three a, books in a row. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, we, we did publish three books in about 16 months. You're right about that. Yes. All right. So- but right now, I know a lot of small groups uh, and such around the country are reconnecting after, uh, after the holidays. If you're looking for something to discuss about how do we engage the culture, that's what I wrote. Do what you believe, or you won't be free to believe it much longer. That's what I wrote it for. Uh, it's my best attempt to update the, the Francis Schaeffer classic from 40 years ago, the Christian Manifesto, but for a more modern and far darker time. Uh, so this book uh, both will look at uh, the overall worldview that we're up against, but then also some very practical ways that we can go up against it. And then there are discussions chapters at the end of each chapter that were personally done by our editor over there, Mr. Erzin. So it's just 15 bucks paperback. We, we wanted to get this to you and price it as affordably as we can uh, and, and, and fast as fast as we could because right now we're at a tipping point moment as a culture. So if you want to get your copy today, they're available over on amazon.com. And if you've had a chance to read it, I haven't even been to the Amazon page since like before Christmas. Gosh, I gotta, frankly, I gotta get, I gotta get more smug. I'm just not the guy that like checks on my clicks and everything all the time. You know, I'm just, just not into that, you know, but I am the guy that tries to win every argument all the time. So I'm not, believe me, I'm not making some sort of humble brag pietistic claim that ain't true fair 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 but it is true that this stuff just doesn't i mean even privately we just don't really discuss it a lot right well to prompt that if i may folks read this book and then email us and tell me what you're doing in response to this book that Mm. would light some fires yeah absolutely all right so this will spark some conversations uh just among your your small group your men's group your ladies group uh, your your family, your friends, your peer group. All right, so you can get your copy. It's just 15 bucks today over at amazon.com. And if you've had a chance to read it and you liked it and you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review, please do so. 
And uh, thank you. I, I, last I checked before Christmas, we had already begun piling those up. So thank you very much to each and every one of you. All right, here's what's in store for the program today. Let's work back to front, shall we, on, on the rundown for today. Okay. Uh, Pop Culture Tuesday, at the very end of the show, I'm going to unveil my final list of the top 10 movies I saw in 2021. So a few months ago, heading into the fourth quarter, when we were going to get the last big rush of releases, I told you what I thought were the best movies I had seen so far this year. Now I have checked the box of all the movies that I was interested in seeing in the fourth quarter. Uh, I have completed that list and I have an updated and final compilation of what I thought were the top 10 movies of 2021 for you. And we will discuss that list and why each of them were selected in Pop Culture Tuesday. You need to tread carefully. That that list has the whiff of art house guy, like movies no one's ever heard of. Do we need to get you a beret? Yeah. I got to tell you, I was a little surprised, frankly, at how refined <laughs> some of these options I chose were. Okay. In fairness, though, still a, a little slim pickings last year. There was. There was. Don't, I mean, listen, Free Guy still made the list. That's still one of the best movies I saw last year, and you saw it, right, recently? It's really good. And it's really, really well done. So there, there's still going to be some Steve Dace Ugly American in there, okay? But you're right. This was a year, I mean, prior to Spider-Man, the best comic book movie of the year was Shang-Chi, and it's okay. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 I would say, a notch below Black Panther. You know, oh, it's below Black Panther. Uh, and it's a notch above Black Widow, which is meh, yeah. you know? So, all right, so we'll get to that uh, at the very end of the program. Next hour, we've got two conversations conversations today I'm really looking forward to. Next hour, at the top of the hour, Del Bigtree from The High Wire will be joining us. And we're going to see how many heads we can make explode with that conversation. So, You do not want to miss that. At the bottom of this hour, our good friend Julie Kelly, God bless her, she's kind of having the moment that we had last March with Fauci and and Bargain right now. And and much like I would say we did, see, I'm telling you, I was telling you that earlier. I I think because I'm humble or pious, it's just, this is not, this is stuff that doesn't move my ego. This does. When in the argument, when in my point, my ego can absolutely get all entangled in that. Okay, but uh, so we absolutely are in that moment with Fauci and Bargain last March. And Julie has absolutely earned hers on the work that uh, she has done almost exclusively. At least we at least we have to admit when we started in pushing back on this, we were not alone. There was now it wasn't many, but we were not out there all by ourselves. And frankly, she was one of the people initially pushing back on it with us. Right. Yep. In this case, she's kind of on her own. Okay. well, she started out kind of being on her own and then others eventually joined in as well. So this book, uh, I saw that Trump tweeted it out. It went to the top of the Amazon charts. So Julie will join us about her new book on January 6th. Now, for those of you that are faithful watchers of this show, we have been interviewing Julie on overtimes. And the reason why is because we wanted to give her as much time as possible. Um, uh, But we've been interviewing her this entire time. On, on the late, every time she's come up with something new or every couple of months, I mean, we have been interviewing her. I mean, we've done like what, three, four, five interviews with oh, her yeah, on this. For sure. So I don't, so you're going to, a lot of this is going to seem like a compilation of what you've already learned. And that's okay. For some of you, though, that maybe aren't subscribers and weren't following those conversations, some of this will be new. She will join us at the bottom of the hour. But before we get to all of that, we begin as always with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away.
What happened while we were away brought to you by Good News. Students in California will no longer be forced to worship the Aztec god of human sacrifice after a lawsuit launched by parents forced the state to remove the Inlock Ek affirmation from official curriculum for ethnic studies in schools. Moving on, here's what Joe Biden had to say about MLK Jr. Day a couple of years ago in a video that went viral again yesterday. Even Dr. King's assassination did not have the worldwide impact that George Floyd's mm-hmm. death did. Nancy Pelosi on MLK Jr. Day had some thoughts about what George Washington and Thomas Jefferson would say about the filibuster being used to stop Democrats from nationalizing elections. Imagine 30, somewhat 36 years old left this earth in such a way that he has a monument on the mall along with Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, all of them with tears in their eyes for the departure from our democracy that is happening right now. Speaking of Pelosi, here's her top pick to serve as the chairwoman of the Transportation Committee, Eleanor Holmes Norton, who can't park her car. Eleanor Holmes Norton is struggling to park her car right now. And she has hit that red car next to her repeatedly. And we're taking pictures. And and we don't think they're going to do anything about it. And if she parks like that, she should not be a member of Congress anymore. And is she going to sure. park like that? It looks like it. Democrat strategist Paul Begala says what ails Democrats nationwide isn't Joe Biden. I think the problem for the Democrats right now is is not that they have bad leaders. They have bad followers. Tale as old as time update in response to the continued radicalization of the Democrats and the unpopularity of their policies. A new Gallup poll shows the GOP has its largest advantage in party ID in over 25 years. During the first quarter of 2021, 49% of Americans identified as Democrats compared to 40% for Republicans. By the end of the year, 47% identified as Republicans compared to 42% for Democrats. Back in early 2020, Congressman Dan Crenshaw went on the Jaco podcast on YouTube and compared Jesus to Superman and Rosa Parks. The important thing is here is that we have societal hero archetypes that we look up to. Jesus is a is a hero archetype. Superman is a hero archetype. Real characters too. You know, I put I I, I could, we can name a thousand. You know, Rosa Parks, Ronald Reagan. At a town hall event this week, a 12 year old girl asked him to clarify those comments. I can't wrap my head I'll, I'll help you. Put a period out of the word Jesus and don't question my faith. Wow. Is, okay, wow. To a, to a uh, girl. Go, guys. You moron. Look. Look. Yeah, you all talk. talk to a kid don't like that. Yeah. Don't question my faith. Oh, okay. You guys can ask questions about all of these things and I will answer them. But don't question my faith. I didn't question your faith if this is what you said. That's... I, I, I mean, you can read the quote again, but nowhere in that quote am I saying Jesus is not real. That's a ridiculous statement. 
statement. One of the co-owners of the Golden State Warriors NBA team, Shamath Palapadia, has some thoughts on the Chinese genocide of the Uyghurs. Nobody cares about. Nobody cares about what's happening to the Uyghurs. Okay, you you bring it up because you really what? care, and I think what that's nice that you cares? care. The rest of us don't care. I'm just well, telling really you a care? very hard. Wait, wait, I'm you're telling you, you very, personally don't care. I'm telling you a very hard, ugly truth. Okay, of all the things that I care about, yes, it is below my line. And now this something that broke while we were out on vacation. Some of the first documents are being released from Pfizer on their vaccine trials and post-marketing surveillance of adverse reactions to their therapeutic. Thanks to a legal battle carried out by the group called Public Health and Medical Professionals for Transparency, a Freedom of Information Act request produced, among other things, a, quote, cumulative analysis of post-authorization adverse event reports. That analysis included events reported to Pfizer up until only February of 2021. It revealed the drug giant received over 150,000 serious adverse event reports within three months of rolling out its therapeutic, but one data point stands out amongst the others. Among the 270 unique pregnancies that were exposed to the vaccine, the outcome of that pregnancy was known for only 32 of them. Pfizer reports 23 miscarriages, two premature births with neonatal disease, two spontaneous abortions with intrauterine death, one spontaneous abortion with neonatal death, and one pregnancy with a normal outcome. To sum it all up, Pfizer knew of 270 individual unique pregnancies that were exposed to the therapeutic, but only knew the outcomes of a fraction of those pregnancies. Amongst the 32 outcomes they knew about, 28 of them resulted in fetal death. In completely unrelated news, a new Israeli study finds the fourth COVID-19 booster shot is worthless against the Omicron variant despite increasing antibodies. In other words, the therapeutic is complete trash now and has been for a long time. And that's what happened while we were away. Here's Montage brought to you by our friends at Omega XL. You know, you've got 360 places in the body from uh, the top of your neck down to your feet called joints, where that little pesky thing known as inflammation can seep in and cause chronic pain. If you are looking for something to do about that, uh, then you're looking for an all-natural anti-inflammatory backed by a few decades uh, of clinical research in the last couple of years of my daily usage called Omega XL. They've got the data, and then they've got my testimony. This stuff really works. It's a part of my daily regimen, and I would urge you, particularly as we get older, even if we are still active, and I am, uh, you know, your joints, they don't get younger. Okay. Uh, that's why you might think you're in really good shape and then take your daughter on a, on a, a daddy daughter date roller skating once when you hadn't done it in about uh, 15 years, even though you were one of the best roller skaters in your school when you were younger and the next two days you want to die after you do that. Not that I have personal experience with it. I do. All right. And so that's exactly why you want to try our friends at Omega XL. You can try right now with buy one bottle. Get a second one for free right now at OmegaXL.com slash Steve. That's OmegaXL.com slash Steve or give them a call at 800-844-4888. That's 800-844-4888. Coming up in the overtime today, there has been a spate of recent stories about hostilities emerging between the Trump and DeSantis camps. Is this for real? Does it matter? Should we care? Uh, We will get into this in the overtime today for Blaze TV subscribers. We will record it right after today's live show, and then it will be uploaded later today for you to watch exclusively 
at blazetv.com slash dace. That's blazetv.com slash dace. And that's also where you can go if you're not yet a Blaze TV subscriber to subscribe at a discounted rate today. blazetv.com slash dace. Let's get to the montage. And um, I have no idea what Paul Begala is referring to. I mean, it, it seems like the followers in this party have followed pretty good. I mean, looking at what's transpired over the last couple of years, if there's anything that I think the Democrat base has shown it can do, it is follow. I think, I think, dude, I think, I mean, I think they've freaking stuck the landing on following. I think they're good at that. Fair. Agreed. I mean, I mean what else, what else could, how else, how better could they possibly follow than what they have demonstrated here in the last uh, 24, 23 months now? I totally agree. It's just the, the saying out loud, what he's basically saying is we are the Bork. Although I, I, to this, I will say I did once agree with Paul Bigala on Twitter and he noted that him and I actually agreed on something. We both agree that the movie Free State of Jones with Matthew McConaughey from a few years ago is absolutely fantastic. That, so, hey, there's always common ground somewhere. Okay. But well, if you liked it so much, get ready for uh, some Free State of Jones in your face, Mr. Begala, because uh, we're coming if you keep up with this nonsense. It does seem a little ironic, yes. doesn't it? That the same guy who loved the movie Free State yeah. of Jones about a dude who just decides he is declaring a no-go zone uh, for the slave trade yes. uh, in order for freedom to reign uh, rather than following yeah. the laws of his state Correct. is now on national television Saying the problem with our party is we have bad followers. Correct. There's a tad bit of irony there. Fair? Fair. Fair. Cosmic amounts, one might even say. Um, uh, intergalactic levels of, of irony, maybe even. Um, I, I had not seen either one of those Dan Crenshaw takes. Neither one of them. Now, I think we brought this up, or I brought it up casually before Christmas, that one of the things I've got to find out about is where this whole um, MAGA base versus Dan Crenshaw thing kind of comes from. I, I mean, I don't care. It's not like we're, you know. I mean, how many times do you see me affirmatively quote or tweet Dan Crenshaw since the whole Pete Davidson thing when he first got elected, right? I mean, he's just a, basically imagine if, if Mitt Romney was a war hero and had a cool eye patch. That's kind of the read I get off of the guy ever since, right? You know, so that's why we, I don't think he, he rarely has even come up on this show since that Saturday Night Live moment, has he? Right. And we've clearly now passed the point of like where people feel like, sorry about your eye, dude, and like pull, pull their punches. I think we are now. Well, I mean, if he's going to say things like yes. that, I did see a clip from him over Christmas where he accused the House Freedom Caucus of being a bunch of grandstanders and things of that nature. Okay. So, I mean, Wow. Wow. And props to the crowd for booing his ass, by the way. To dress down a 12-year-old like that, to be that defensive, by the way, someone that is that defensive yep. of being questioned by a child, there's a reason for that. Just okay? all you say is, let me explain. Yeah. And then you move on. I'm glad you asked me that. Yeah. Is It was a little girl too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad you asked me that, sweetie. Let me explain what I meant. Okay. Um... Instead, you come back with that. I don't know. Apparently, he has decided that he is going to kind of rebrand 
himself as the more modern day John McCain uh, version. Like if, you know, McCain emerged in this political environment as opposed to the one that he came out of in the 80s, maybe he would have behaved like this instead. Okay. Uh, this John is, McCain might even be a stretch. I think he may be in John Kasich territory. Uh, I mean, this is the new maverick Okay. But I think he's going to find and has already found that the audiences he will be trying that shtick with are not from the 1980s. <laughs> and that dog ain't going to hunt. And that poop's getting booed, okay? Right in your grill. But, I mean, I had not seen either one of those clips. I didn't know that 2020 clip existed until 10 minutes ago. I had not even heard of this exchange at one of his events. And let me tell you something, by the way. you can qu- These are your employees. You can question anything you want. Anything. At any time. They don't tell you what you can't question. And, and you No, they're your employees. You question whatever you want especially at a time that they're not stopping your employer from questioning everything they want about you. Sure as hell, you can question their faith, their DNA, their lineage, all right? Everything. You can question it all. What a puke response that was. And to a kid, too. Uh, That's something we'll have to, we're going to have, something tells me we're going to have to keep more of an eye on that. It was the rhetorical version of what's her face parking her car. That's what that response was. Wow. That, yeah, Eleanor Nor- uh, Holmes Norton? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, how many government employees does it take to park your car? All of them, uh, apparently. Uh, I love the, the play by play out the window of it, though. I had not. Yes. Yes. The Israel study. The Pfizer dude just said this last week. And still, of all the fake news fact check, fake checks, the best of all of them has been when Reuters busted out last week with that he was not talking about the previous strains, but he was talking about Omicron when he said that, the, the, that they don't stop the spread of the virus any longer. Why? That's the defense? Hey, he wasn't talking about the variants that are now extinct and don't exist. Uh, he is. He's, he was just talking about the one that everybody now has. That that was their fake check. That was their fake check. Okay, but he just admitted this in two different forums last week. The head of Pfizer did. Why is anybody surprised? the the The, the only surprise would be that Israel is now telling us this. I don't know why anybody, unless you are in a really, really high risk man and you're like, I'll take 1%, 2%, anything I can get, I'll take. And that's going to be a real narrow sliver of people in this country. I don't know why anybody who's not over the age of 80 or in some other, you know, health obscure high risk would be taking any of these anymore at this point. The efficacy numbers just don't add up. They just don't. The, 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 you're in a negative risk calculation scenario now. Given what you, what this won't do for you, which is stop you from getting infected. Well, David, that helps with severe infect. We don't know that. We're dealing right now with a strain that in South Africa produced 16 times lower the death rate. 
than the previous Delta strain did. And, in, and what I have laid out for you before is a vastly more unhealthy population. They're starving. They're poor. They're, they're poverty-stricken. They have spent going on a fourth decade now of they're having their, the, the immune systems in that country ravaged by AIDS. The life expectancy of a male in that state is in that country is 15 years less than the U.S. It's a dramatically more unhealthy country. 75% of that country has not been jabbed. So far in the U.S., it's producing about a 90% lower death rate. So we can't even say that anymore. That's just a talking point now. It's just a talking point. And maybe it always was, but now because Omicron is a control group, we now know that it is. We now know that it is. So I, I don't know why anybody would take that risk calculation. Unless you're over 80 or you're in some extreme um, pre-existing condition, autoimmune compromised situation. And you're like, I'll take anything I can get at this point. Finally, the Gallup poll. Now, let me give you some background on this. This has actually been one of the most accurate and prescient polls for decades. They started this in 1991. And it is a, it's a poll, of, it's a trend poll. And almost in every cycle, this poll accurately forecasts what the current political environment is and then projects what that will mean in the next election cycle. As Aaron pointed out, this is the biggest edge that Republicans have had in this since shortly after the 1994 Congress took over in 1995. It's the biggest one time swing Republicans have ever had in it. But here's my question. What have Republicans done nationally? What have Republicans done nationally to flip this paradigm this dramatically. And I'll wait. Waiting. Still waiting? Because the answer is what? Next to nothing. Next and that to might nothing. be generous. In fact, let me ask it a more circumspect way. Because as good a job as our governor has done, she's not known nationally like a Ron DeSantis, right? Let's take Ron DeSantis off the table. And now tell me what the Republican Party as a whole has done to be the catalyst for such a paradigm flip. Nothing. This is, this is, there's nothing new under the sun. This is what I tried telling you during the Trump years. The cake is the same. The frosting is just zanier. He hasn't fundamentally changed politics. He's just successful at how, how we've always done politics. Similarly, this is all we've seen this all before. I guess in the trust but verify thing, could, would we include Yunkin and what just happened? No, that's not going to affect something like this at that level. No. And Yunkin would be the result of something like this. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. He took advantage of this environment. He didn't, he didn't forge it. They haven't done anything. This has happened. This I, It's been a while since I've done this. In 2000, George W. Bush becomes the first president since the 19th century. 
to get elected with, by losing the popular vote. In 2002, his party gets full control of Congress for the first time since the 1950s, uh, meaning full control of Washington, I should say, president and Congress. 2004, he's the last Republican to win the popular vote and get reelected. 2006, Nancy Pelosi becomes the first female speaker. Um, uh, and Democrats overtake Congress and the Senate. 2008, Barack Obama destroys John McCain. Democrats now have a filibuster-proof U.S. Senate. 2010, massive Tea Party wave. John Boehner becomes House Speaker, and Democrat Senate majority is reduced to five. 2012, Barack Obama turns right around and gets reelected. 2014, Democrats suffer one of the worst one-cycle Senate swings in the history of America post-Reconstruction, a nine-seat swing. 2016, Donald Trump wins the presidency by fewer than 80,000 votes that were accounted for in four states while losing the popular vote by over a million votes. 2018, Democrats turn around after not having after having their fewest amount of elected people in office since before the Great Depression, then turn around, win 40 House seats to recapture the House uh, and also uh, forge a tie in the Senate. 2020 uh, uh, or 2018, they took the Senate too. my bad. 2020, then Joe Biden allegedly gets 81 million votes. 2022, suddenly now there's a the lar- one of the largest swings in the history of the Gallup poll in uh, in party identification. This is not new. It's nice when we dust off the pre-COVID Steve Dace every once in a while. <laughs> this is Americans don't like Democrats and don't trust Republicans. This is this is a reverb against Democrats, not what Republicans have done. This is against Democrats. got homeowners insurance for a good reason because without it an event like a fire a flood maybe even a burglary could destroy you financially but there's another major event out there that you need to be afraid of and and prepared for and that's called home title fraud it's one of the fastest growing crimes in the country it can also uh, threaten you financially Uh, it happens when a criminal forges your signature on documents stating that you have sold your home to them and then they take out loans against your home and leave you with the payments You'll spend maybe a small fortune in legal fees trying to recover your title, trying to prove you didn't commit fraud. It was committed against you. That's why you want our friends at Home Title Lock so they can put a barrier around your most important investment, your own home. And the instant they detect anything or anyone uh, trying to tamper with it, they will mobilize to help to shut it down. So go to HomeTitleLock.com right now. Register your address to see if you're already a victim. I remember when they first signed on, I was very skeptical. I'm like, is this really a thing? I couldn't believe how easy it was to get a hold of these documents, to forge a signature, including my own. All right, so HomeTitleLock.com right now. And while you're there, enter the code RADIO for a 60-day money-back guarantee if if they can't come through for you if it goes down. HomeTitleLock.com, promo code RADIO. Well, we mentioned it's one of the number one bestsellers right now on Amazon uh, very well-deserved success from friend of the program, Julie Kelly, an American uh, greatness. It's called January 6th, How Democrats Used the Capitol Protest to Launch a War on Terror Against the Political Right. And Julie, first of all, congrats on your success. Everyone here, very, very happy for you. Very well-deserved. We mentioned in the first hour 
Um, it's a little similar to our success with Fauci and Bargain, but even with that, while we were one of the first people to push back on this, you were even in that group, actually. This really, you were a lone wolf here, uh, kind of all by yourself, and then others uh, began to join in. So all of the success of this, very well deserved. Congratulations. Well, thank you, Steve, and thanks to Todd and Aaron also. You guys have helped uh, cover my reporting on this for months, um, and so I'm very grateful for you guys for helping me tell this story uh, and talk about this book, as I know we will today. So thanks to you as well. Well, we have done, as you've said, uh, several interviews with you over the course of the going on a year now as you have been following this story. Right now, I just saw on Twitter, you are hammering the point home about why they won't release a large volume of surveillance video. Tell us more about that. So I talk about this in my book as well. There's 14,000 hours of surveillance video that was captured by Capitol security cameras that day, 14,000 hours inside and outside the building and of course around the Capitol grounds. The government last March declared this trove of footage highly sensitive government material, so basically classified information. They've kept it under protective orders. Even defendants and defense attorneys are having a hard time seeing any of the clips from the surveillance video used in their client's case. So the question is, Steve, why do they want to keep this video concealed? Mm -hmm. If we're supposed to learn all the facts and the truth about January 6th, it was comparable to 9-11, the worst attack on our democracy, whatever that means since the Civil War, then they should want to release that footage, show all the crazy Trump cultists who attacked the Capitol and wanted to kill uh, AOC. Like, let's see it. But they're not. They're keeping it under wraps, and now we know why. Because this footage will show not just... Uh, agent provocateurs or FBI agents, other undercover and plainclothes police officers who were there instigating what happened. We'll also show clothed police officers, as I talk about in my book, provoking the crowd by throwing flashbangs and pepper balls with rubber bullets at the crowd and dousing them with tear gas. Um, that's a very uncovered aspect of the story. So now there's more uh, footage today. It's not surveillance video, but that suggests that Ashley Babbitt, rather than being acting as a terrorist, as the media likes to describe her, was actually trying to get away from some of the violence inside the building. Mm. And of course, as we know, she was executed by a Capitol Police officer who still has his job. Still... The most amazing thing about this story is the first thing that made me think maybe my initial inclinations based on what I thought I was seeing was not right. And it was one of the first people were arrested. I think you and I talked about this early on at the time last year. One of the first people arrested was a known Antifa operative from Utah. And the footage that if you've seen the assassination of Ashley Babbitt, he's the one that takes this footage. And so what are the odds that an Antifa guy from Utah could go from Utah all the way to Washington, D.C. in front of, I don't know, tens and tens and tens of thousands of protesters and uh, and slash rioters uh, that were at the at, at this event on January the 6th? And just so happens that in that he's the needle in that haystack that finds himself in a place where he is uniquely positioned to capture this woman's murder on camera. Okay, I mean, that to me, that was the first thing that made made my spidey sense tingle that, okay, this is this this, right away. Something about this now based on uh, other than our initial emotional reaction 
does not add up. Now, I have that same feeling about something you just said, though. How many defendants right now are there currently incarcerated or awaiting adjudication because of January 6th, Julie? Right now, there are a little uh, more than 80 who are being held denied bail um, under pretrial detention orders. And as their trials, many of them don't even have trial dates yet. Uh, some of them won't start until the middle of this year. Uh, but John Sul- uh, Sullivan is not one of them, surprisingly, even though he obviously was violent, instigated the crowd. There's a video of him saying- That's hey, the gentleman I was just referring him. to. You just named him. But yes, yeah, That's go ahead. Right. Yeah. John Sullivan. And so he is not behind bars. He has not been denied bail. I don't even know what the update on his case is. I know he's been charged, uh, but he certainly doesn't face any of the violent or even nonviolent offenses that some of these men who've been held behind bars now over a year uh, have been. So that's just one of the many, many questions related to January 6th, Steve, that I try to address in this book. I'll have a follow-up just like you did because these things are moving targets. But I do think that uh, the public is starting to wake up to what they saw on January 6th that day is not exactly reality, doesn't match up with reality. And uh, that's why this video is being concealed and the trials are being delayed, discovery evidence is being delayed, a lot of uh, uh, chicanery by this Justice Department and government related to not getting to the truth of January 6th. Do any of these defendants have good legal counsel, any of them? And, yeah, and, and why aren't they too. banding together to raise hell about the fact that this kind of evidence that is potentially exculpatory is being held withheld from them in the discovery process uh, and, and in service to their clients? Why aren't we seeing like press conferences and holy hell raisings of stink about that? Well, we are starting to get some good defense attorneys, thankfully, because, of course, as you know, this was just like election fraud. Lawyers were wouldn't touch this. I mean, all of these defendants were reliant for the most part on public defenders because they'd never been in trouble with the law before. They can't afford six figures for a D.C. criminal defense attorney, which mm-hmm. they needed. So they all had public defenders or court appointed attorneys who were, you know, leftist radical whack jobs who had no interest in really defending the client. Some people actually do have a few people have actually good public defenders, but there are some good criminal defense attorneys stepping up. They're taking on as many clients as they can. Um, There's a fund out there, Patriot Freedom Project, which I'm donating part of the proceeds of my book to uh, that was just started by a family member because there was no apparatus in place to raise money and try to get more decent criminal defense attorneys, which they are. Um, but look, these judges are playing along too, and they continue to delay trials. They continue to listen to the government say, oh, we have so much video evidence. This is an unprecedented investigation and delaying these trials and discovery obligations. So it's a totally rigged system. But I do think the public narrative is shifting. And you even see, finally see some Republican leaders in Congress stepping up and confronting FBI and DOJ about what they're doing. Did uh, Trevor Noah get back to you on your invitation to discuss his thoughts on your work directly one-on-one on his program? I know you'll be shocked to find out that (laughs) no. And you know, no corporate media will have me on. I mean, CNN, MSNBC, I... I, no, no invitations forthcoming. I'm available, Brian Selter, Rachel Maddow. Please have me on. I'll help you get to the truth of January 6th. Let me know. What is the thing after a full year of this that you have been working on this story now? What is it? What's the lingering aspect that troubles you the most? 
Um, I think the sadistic nature of these prosecutors mm. and these federal judges, they are gratified by the pain that they are inflicting on Americans who dare to protest Joe Biden's election. You know, I think about people who have pled guilty to parading in the Capitol, class B misdemeanor that the chief judge of the DC district court said they never even deal with. But you have judges overriding even this insane justice department and sentencing these people for parading in the Capitol to 60, 90 days in jail, destroying their lives. They've been fired by their employers. They've been alienated by family members, relatives, neighbors. They've been tattled on by coworkers. One man I always remember told, pleaded with a judge not to send him to jail for parading in the Capitol offense and said his church had even asked him to stop coming because he was such a distraction. Wow. So I think what this <clears throat> is happening, the, the human impact, I think, ha, has uh, ling stays with me the most and I think continues to really um, motivate me to to keep covering this. You and, uh, and a few others last week demonstrated <clears throat> why uh, the urging I have given this audience since I started this show of being of holding our elected officials more accountable as opposed to a standard just be better than Hillary or uh, let me outsource <laughs> my citizenship and then, you know, act shocked, stunned, surprised in between elections when they don't do what I sent them there to do. You guys demonstrated the truth of this and what you did to my buddy Ted Cruz, and it was all deserved. I mean, he, 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 he deserved everything you all gave him. But then lo and behold, the end result of that is we, you, you finally got some of the questions uh, broken through the Overton window last week. He starts, he starts positing questions about how many um, you know, plainclothes uh, operatives did the FBI, did you guys have there at the event on January the 6th? Uh, Sanborn, I think is her name, says, I can't answer that question, Senator. He then asked the question, who is Ray Epps? Now, we asked you about this gentleman that uh, you were one of the people that uncovered last year when his name first came about. Who is Ray Epps? Who is he? We don't know yet who he is. We can't get any answers. But of course, your viewers know this is the man who is encouraging people the night before on January 5th to go into the Capitol. And there's video so of this, by the way. That, that's how we that's know right. this. We, that, there's video of this. Yeah. There's a lot of video. And, uh, you know, he was so suspicious that the crowd started chanting fed at him. Um, you know, he's a big guy. He had a MAGA hat on. He mm -hmm. kind of looked like a he's an ex-Marine, uh, I believe. So he had military gear on. Then you see him the next day. He's sort of either uh, maybe independence or constitution directing people who are leaving the Trump speech. The Capitol is this way. You know, of course, a lot of people hadn't been to D.C. before. Go this way. And then more importantly, Ray Epps is the man who whispers in the ear of another man named Ryan Samsel. He whispers in Ryan's ear, Ryan Samsel is the first official protester, Trump supporter, to breach this really weak police line way outside of the Capitol building, sort of on the perimeter of the grounds on the west side. He whispers in Ryan Samsel's ear. Ryan turns his hat around so everyone can see, make America great again. He confronts police, knocks down this couple bike racks, and then he and a bunch of other people, Proud Boys, we know also were infiltrated by FBI informants, run up the steps and advance towards the west side of the Capitol. So, and what Ray Epps also followed them. He technically was in restricted area. There are dozens of people who were in that, who never went inside the building, mm -hmm. 
who are nonetheless charged and nonetheless criminally charged. Ray Epps, however, is not one of them. What's the benign, innocent explanation for why he would not be charged, given the video evidence that exists of this individual? Um, well, I've heard some reporters uh, say that the DOJ is too busy, that they just haven't gotten <laughs> around to Ray Epps yet. Now, these are reporters, keep in mind, who have called everyone from a parader to an insurrectionist, a traitor, seditionist. But all of a sudden, I loved, you know, all the white knighting for Rain Epps from the same reporters who have helped destroy the lives of, of trespassers, and but somehow giving this guy a pass. Uh, so that sort of stinks to high heaven, as you know. I've got about a minute here, and every time we've had you on over the last year asking you for an update on this, I've ended it every way, or the same way every time, so I'm going to do that again. What do you think really happened on January 6th? I think the Democrats left the Capitol intentionally unsecure. That's why they rejected calls by a National Guard or or uh, offers of a National Guard. I think the FBI, as we now know, had hundreds of special forces stationed at Quantico the weekend before. Uh, Why did they do that? They were deployed to the Capitol early that day, we now know, in contradiction to what other top officials have said. So I think it was an inside job. You can't look at how they've weaponized this ever since four hours of disturbance, the Democrats, and just think that they're capitalizing on this organic uprising. We know the Democrats don't work that way. We certainly know this FBI doesn't. And they had a lot of help from Capitol Police, D.C. Metro Police, other D.C. agencies uh, and other um, federal uh, law enforcement agencies, probably national security, et cetera, to instigate what happened on that day, to foment these um, uh these confrontations that you saw and now to brand everyone an insurrectionist. So my bottom line is it was an inside job. Hmm. The book is fantastic folks. January 6th, how Democrats used the Capitol protest to launch a war on terror against the political right. Julie Kelly from American greatness with us. She's the author again. Congrats, Julie. Well-deserved. All right. We'll see you you soon. All right. Take care. Appreciate it. You bet. Thoughts on our conversation with Julie. You mentioned uh, during the first part of the show about the polling. This has nothing to do with the success of actual Republicans. Well, going forward, we didn't get to a question yesterday and ask me anything. They asked you about the top three things you would do if the Republicans win. One of those three things has to be absolutely gutting our intelligence apparatus and getting to the bottom of this specifically and more broadly, why our intelligence apparatus appears to be enemies of the state. You know, this is, as Jesse Kelly has um, has pointed out on numerous occasions, this is how communists roll. Consolidate their power and the people who have, uh, who, who have uh, the guns under your control, meaning the police, the military. That's what Barack Obama did in pretty short order back in er- the early part of his tenure, was he got rid of uh, a lot of the longtime generals and replaced them and started down the path of wokeism in the military. Once the military started going down that path, where's the pool of new recruits for the CIA and the FBI coming from? It's coming from those same, mm. same places. Todd is absolutely correct. Salt the earth. Destroy the intelligence community. Del Bigtree from The High Wire will join us next. Stay tuned.
Back with Hour 2 live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre and Todd Erzin. Let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. Steve at SteveDace.com is how you can email the show. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Um, what else? Uh, oh, look for us on MeWe, Parlor and Gab, where they don't censor us. Uh, look for at Steve Day Show on Getter. They don't censor us there either, at least not yet. You can also find clips of the show where you can be free of censorship and watch for free over on rumble.com slash Steve Day Show as well. If you're a podcast listener, thank you so much. You're a big part of our audience and the continued growth of our program. Please, if you haven't yet done so, leave us a five-star review if you like us. If you don't like us, we wouldn't ask you to, uh, to to lie. We would just maybe ask you to keep that opinion to yourself. If you kind of like us, we would ask you, though, to totally embellish that uh, and give us a five-star review anyway. Uh, for those of you that went to public school, uh, embellish means... Uh, never mind. Just leave us a five-star review. Thanks. Uh, you can also uh, hit the subscribe or follow button if you would like to do that, whichever applies on your podcast platform of present of, uh, of preference as well. So you can tell I went to public school. I messed up presence and preference. Uh, all right. Also, this portion of the show brought to you again because I'm, I'm never going to ask you to make a sacrifice, folks, that I myself have not made. And I am your watchman on the wall. I have, I have done it again. I, I went into the lion's den. I have come out and I can personally testify that the coconut brownie chunk flavor of Built Bar is every bit as good as it was the last time I tried it. It still remains uh, firmly at number two, uh, just behind chocolate chip cookie dough, which to me, that's a food group. Uh, The number two flavor in my uh, Built Bar protein bar power ratings. uh, And there really is, I, I just, I can only rank a five because no one should be last. I've never tried one of these and I thought, wow, that's just terrible. There's some I just think are greater than others. But you can try all of their flavors right now. If you like churros, the Churro Built Bar Puffs, that's the uh, the marshmallow variety they have of their protein bars, those are back today. Those are hugely popular, all right? So g- try any of their great flavors. Get 15% off right now when you use my last name, Dace, as your promo code at Built.com for Built Bar. Don't make the choice anymore between your sweet tooth and good nutrition. It's the best protein bar you have ever had. Built.com. B-U-I-L-T is where you go for Built.com. That's how you get your Built Bars. 15% off with the promo code DACE at Built.com. We welcome back to the show a guest we have been looking forward to, having a longer conversation with Del Bigtree is here with us from the High Wire. It is good to have you with us again, Del. Hope you had a great holiday season. How are you, brother? I'm great, Steve. Uh, it was a great year, you know, looking back at it it's in our rearview mirror. So uh, we're, we're, you know, tan, rested, and ready for what comes uh, out here in 2022. For those that uh, maybe need a refresher, um, remind our audience, give us a little bit of Dell Bigtree's background, and then what's the high wire? I did recently watch one full episode of your show when you had Geert Van and Bosch on. Okay, so yeah. uh, what's the high wire? What, what's the high wire? How can people watch, et cetera? 
All right. So I started out, I was a producer first for the Dr. Phil show on CBS. Then he created a medical talk show called The Doctors. I was involved in helping create that. I was one of the seven producers that produced The Doctors television show for uh, just about six years. I won an Emmy Award while doing that, celebrating the best that science and medicine has to offer. So I'm pro-science, I'm pro-medicine. I am pro-good, uh, uh, talented doctors. Uh, and then um, I was tipped off to a story about a whistleblower inside the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, uh, named Dr. William Thompson. I was told that he uh, was going to come forward and say they were committing scientific fraud on the vaccine safety studies, and specifically the MMR autism study. That was the measles, mumps, rubella vaccine study that looked at this sort of accusation that it appeared to be causing autism that was done by the CDC between 2000 and 2004. Uh, he ended up coming forward. I made a documentary about him called Vaxxed from cover up to catastrophe, which I think has blown this conversation wide open around the world. He basically pointed out that they hid statistically significant information from that study. They were seeing a, you know, really strong correlation between the MMR vaccine and autism, but they hid that from the public. That set me on the course of a deeper investigation. By making that film, by the way, you, I basically lit a fire and burned the bridge of my TV career because once you go against pharma in that way uh, and point out that their vaccines are dangerous in any way, it really is going to be hard to work in television. It's okay. Uh, I created my own television show, as you would, uh, thehighwire.com. Uh, we are now um, getting over 5 million views every week of our show. We've been covering COVID extensively. Um, and I have a nonprofit that makes all this possible, the Informed Consent Action Network. I put that together after I was traveling the country with the film Vax and meeting thousands of parents that were telling their vaccine injury stories. Essentially, the film was about one vaccine, the MMR vaccine and its relationship to autism. But what I discovered was that parents had, you know, their ch you know, would come up to me and say, my child regressed into autism after the DTaP vaccine. We never got to the MMR vaccine. Or my daughter's been paralyzed ever since she got her Gardasil vaccine, the HPV vaccine, or my child died right after a flu shot. And I started recognizing, wait a minute, you know, we've been told these are perfectly safe and effective. So I spent the last, you know, five years from, well, 2016 to early 2020, 2021, looking at all of the studies on safety of vaccines. And uh, in order to get a lot of that information, I have a legal team that has had to sue the government in the United States. Most people might not realize that our government protects the pharmaceutical industry from all liability when it comes to vaccines. We can sue them for drugs that injure and kill people. We cannot sue them for vaccines. And because of that, the government is sort of obstructing our ability to get the, you know, the discovery, as you would, in in a case to find out what they knew about the trials, what they knew about the dangers. So I have a legal team that's been suing the government. We've won against the FDA, the CDC, Health and Human Services, and the National Institute of Health. Obviously, all of that information and that ability and understanding of how to sue the government then threw us in the middle of the pandemic. And I've been reporting extensively on this pandemic and the background on the vaccine, the COVID vaccine, its dangers, its lack of efficacy, all of which we were telling our audience about from the very beginning. It is no shock to us this vaccine is incapable of stopping the Omicron virus. We always knew this was going to be the problem. And you mentioned Geert van den Bosch, which may be one of the most important interviews I've ever done. I think he is pointing out a real problem. If we continue to pressure this virus with a mass vaccination campaign around the world, we will not only see Omicron and, and this virus, coronavirus, get to the point where it can infect everybody. It could turn deadly. And if we have a deadly unstoppable virus, imagine Omicron with 
sort of a deadly attribute, we could be in real trouble. All of this is being caused by reckless uh, science and um, really uh, bad decision making by the health departments of the world. On my computer right here in the in that you can see on camera, I have a file on my desktop uh, and there's a few of them, things that I want to be able to have easy access to when I need to access them. And one of them is to a, a finding a fact revealed by the CDC last fall that it, it not only could not document a single case of a naturally uh, immune person infecting someone else with COVID-19, but it, it hasn't even bothered to even investigate the matter. It's just not prevalent to them, apparently. That was right. your group, your group's effort that uncovered that, um, that admission, correct? Yes. One of the things we do with our legal team is we file, we file thousands of Freedom of Information Act requests, uh, otherwise known as FOIAs. This is a process we have in this great country, the United States of America, where we look at our government as our employees. Uh, I think we've really got to get back to understanding that that is the case. They do not rule over us. We rule over them. They do our work for us. And because of that, we have the ability to make these requests, Freedom of Information Act requests, for instance, for all of Tony Fauci's emails regarding uh, COVID or the vaccine, which we have been a document dump. We've been releasing that as we've gotten it from the NIH. He works for us. These people work for us. And so because of that, we ask questions like, you keep saying that the vaccine is better than natural immunity. Will you please provide the science that establishes that fact when we know historically there's never been a vaccine that has longer and more durable immunity being you know, created than having the natural infection. Natural mm -hmm. immunity has always been more powerful and longer lasting. And so in the end, not only did they say we don't have any science to prove that they said we aren't doing any science to you know investigate that issue so they're making statements without any scientific background they're kicking college students out of universities that have already been infected that clearly based on we showed them the multiple studies i believe we're, we're nearing you know 30 to 50 solid studies around the world proving that natural immunity is much more effective than vaccinated immunity. And still, people are losing their jobs. You aren't able to travel in certain places. You can't go to school. This is crazy. I mean, to treat someone that has natural immunity worse than someone that's gotten the vaccine, which is clearly failing now all around this nation and the world, is just an aberration and, and you know of science, and it's something that has to stop. We've got to recognize what we've always known, that for healthy people to catch a virus, that is the best way for them to establish that type of immunity that creates what we now we refer to as herd immunity. The only true herd immunity that can stop this pandemic, and I think uh, Omicron is going to prove that, is those that are naturally affected, have a previous infection, and now are blocking all of the other variants. And that's our only way forward. It's our only way out of this. Yet Fauci and Deborah Burks and, and you know, Redfield and all these people that sort of foisted this this disaster upon us, um, you know, they don't want to recognize that because it doesn't sell vaccines. So this is normally a segment on our show, Dell, each week that we call fake news or not. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I got a tweet from somebody right before you came on that said, I never, ever envisioned a time that a guy like Dell Bigtree would be on a big conservative show like this. Say, thank you for doing this. Now, I don't know anything about your politics, beliefs, anything about your background other than what you just told me. 
a little bit yeah. about me. All right. I'm a fun in the, I put the fun in fundamentalism guy. Okay. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a Bible guy. I'm a truth guy. I just, ultimately I want to know what the truth is. I'm kind of a contrarian, nonconformist. I'm not a joiner, not really into your tribe. And you, a little bit like Mark Twain once said, I wouldn't join a tribe that would have me. Okay. Right. So I moved around a lot as a kid. I was kind of a loner, had to make new friends and stuff all the time. I don't require a lot of approval from other people, which makes me good at this job. Doesn't necessarily make me a lot of fun at parties at times. Okay. So um, when I got into this, though, I never envisioned that I would, I would have, I would write a book that feminist pioneer Naomi Wolf would positively tweet and 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 share and promote and 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 like live tweet excerpts of while she read it. Okay, I never envisioned that. When I got into this, I never thought I was going to be affirmatively playing monologues from Bill Maher like in agreement. Okay, right. didn't think that was going to happen. And I sure as hell never thought I'd ever see the day Steve Bannon and RFK Jr. did podcasts together. I didn't think that was ever going to happen. Okay, no. <laughs> but but we are Cats here. Cats and dogs sleeping together. Yes, like Ghostbusters. That's right? a sign. Look for a star in the east, brother. Absolutely. Okay. So um, uh, the twelfth mom is here. Yes. Um, but but I think those are signs that there is a there is a systemic epistemological breakdown, particularly in the West, with truth, data, and information. That a lot of people that maybe their sincere convictions in areas are in deep opposition to one another. Those, those convictions, though, come from a place of sincerity. And I think what you're seeing is that a lot of people of sincerity, but maybe differing convictions, are realizing we can't function as a people if there is no plumb line. If there is nothing is true. If everything is a narrative, yeah, I prefer my narrative to yours, but the truth right. isn't a narrative. We can't live on a narrative. And I and and there's two things I've observed from the very beginning of COVID Stan. The very that's what I call it anyway. Okay, uh, it, I love it. It's the launch of a new society, of a new civilization. Okay. Um and 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 if there's two things I've observed, it's these two things. And they're these are as constant as the North Star. Number one. Um, whatever you can't say right now about COVID stand on the internet will be proven true three to six months later, right as rain every time from origin of the virus to efficacy of the jabs. My position is no one is vaccinated. These are not vaccines by any, by any definition we had of this term prior to the introduction of these products for 300 years. No, we've given out over 5 billion doses of this product. No one is vaccinated. You're we're just counting jabs. I mean, Israel is now admitting that this thing produces such weak antibodies that it cannot even stall a a, a strain that is 90% less lethal than the previous strain. All right. So these are not vaccines by any reasonable stretch. They're just jabs. Okay, but but you can say these things now. And and if I had written or said in, in last January, boy, looking at some of this trial data, I think you might need a booster by the end of the year. I'd have been banned for misleading information. And now we're on like two rounds of boosters. There's the second thing that's a constant. There can be no control groups. So that way we can't have an objective truth. So like during the year of lockdowns in 2020, I ran into a whole bunch of lefty blue check marks in the media who tried to debate me that America should be more like Sweden. And suddenly I'm like, I don't know, maybe you're right. Sweden's looking pretty good to me. Suddenly Sweden's like wrecked them, barely knew. We can't find Sweden on a map, Dale. We don't know where the hell it's at. Okay. Trump even said that Sweden was, that herd immunity was, quote, a strategy. 
No, bro. Right. That's how we survived as a species for 7,000 damn years, okay? Exactly. Uh, before we had vaccines. But Sweden had to disappear because it was the control group against lockdowns. And now this is where Omicron, I believe, and I've been calling it a control group since I first looked at the South Africa data, Dell. When you look at the fact that a male life expectancy in that country is 15 years lower than ours, a majority of the countries over the poverty line, they just came out of institutional racism to institutional Marxism. They have a terrible healthcare system there. They're on their fourth decade of the population being ravaged by acquired immune deficiency syndrome, otherwise known as AIDS. So epidemiologically, they're on the wrong side of the tracks and yet when you looked and 75% of that country wasn't jabbed and yet when you looked at what how Omicron performed there either we were going to learn one of two things here either the virus Omicron is the first real attenuation of this virus or our jabs as Geert Vandenbosch has been warning have actually made it worse right but right. throughout throughout I want you to comment on those two things no control groups and then whatever you can't say right now end up, ends up always getting proven later well, that's absolutely the case. Um, I lost my YouTube channel, which is how I started the high wire. I also lost my Facebook page last year for covering exactly what you're discussing. Uh, huge strikes against me. We're talking about lab origin, which how that wasn't allowed to be a part of the conversation under the circumstances at the time is incredibly shocking. And now that we find that almost all of science is leaning in that direction and saying, yes, this probably did come from a lab still to this date, no one in our government and no one in our mainstream media is asking the appropriate question then, which is, well, now that we're all pretty sure it came from a lab, can we ask the next obvious question, which which was, was it on purpose or was it mm -hmm. a leak? Why do we just assume that it was a leak? This may be an attack. This could mm -hmm. be a world war driven by China or maybe our own fingerprints are all over it, which I think is part of the, the, the issue we have here. I think Tony Fauci's fingerprints are all over this virus, which is creating a real problem for our government and others. But talking about those things, you're immediately shut down. Um, I have, as you probably do too, I have the benefit of having built a time capsule with the statements that I have made every single week. I think we're now into about 102 episodes since we do a weekly show, 102 episodes on COVID uh, and SARS-CoV-2. And I get to say, I told you so, so many times it's nauseating even for me. Uh, I have a <laughs> reference point. I get to tell you, I told you this was never designed to stop infection. I told you we would see a rise in all-cause mortality, which is now being reported all across this country from 40% to 50%. Some states even saying as high as 70% increases yeah. in the death rate amongst 18 to 49-year-olds. That should be the biggest story of our life. Did you see the preprint no from Columbia University last week that estimated 186,000 through August was actually... The uh, the jab deaths, uh, not what's in VAERS. Did you see that uh, preprint study no, last week? No, I did week? not see that. That's amazing. Yeah. Right. So so all of these things are, are sort of where we're at. And you're right. Um, uh, also, though, it's not luck. It's not dumb luck. It's not that we're getting lucky. I have an international team of scientists that work with me, and I have the best legal team in the world, and we make sure we vet every single thing we say. On the high wire, you know, I am not into telling or breaking a story first. I'm making sure that we got it right. I come from CBS. I use the same, you know, journalistic integrity, which is I need multiple sources for a story that I had when I worked for CBS. 
CBS. And so because of that, uh, we're not shocked that we're proving to be right. We don't care that the New York Times and Washington Post are attacking us because all of our stories are aging a lot better than those mainstream you know, newspapers and networks. So yes, I am confident that we will continue to have stories that age better than everyone else because for the main reason, I'm not funded by pharma. Every other news agency that people are watching, all the mainstream media, is being funded by the very culprits of this entire disaster. And so because I'm not funded by it, I don't have to wear a blindfold in my investigations, and neither do you. And therefore, I think we're going to continue to celebrate the success of the stories that we're getting right as we move uh, forward. Now, the other part of it, I forget, what was part two of the of No the, control the, groups. The no control groups. Now, this is, you know, I was when you were saying I don't want to call it a vaccine, and I totally understand that. Um, they are, you know, playing monkey games. They've even changed the definition of a vaccine to suit what this thing is. But as you're saying, we all grew up with this concept of a vaccine being something that you take that keeps you from being able to catch the disease. Therefore, if you can't catch it, you can't spread it. And all of that to protect those around us that are maybe too weak to get a vaccine, that herd immunity or that cocoon effect that we've talked about, that has all been thrown out the window. That definition is now gone. It has been rewritten by the CDC. The new definition does not say, as it used to say, a vaccine is designed to, you know, uh, give you immunity to a disease. Uh, it is now only saying to give you protection uh, from a disease, meaning you're going to catch it just like we're being told on the news. You're going to spread it to everyone you meet. But we're hoping that we're able to limit your symptoms. And that's all it's going to do. So by definition, they change the definition of the vaccine. But the reason I'm concerned to stop using the word vaccine, Steve, is this that unlike most people we're hearing from and all these great doctors and scientists like Dr. Peter McCullough and Dr. Robert Malone, who invented the mRNA vaccine, all these great guys that are stepping forward and telling the truth, they still haven't done the investigation that I've done, which is why we will hear them say this COVID vaccine maybe shouldn't even be called a vaccine because it, it, doesn't, it doesn't do what a vaccine has done. It hasn't been treated like a vaccine. And as you pointed out, it wasn't properly tested against a control group. But anybody that was following me prior to COVID knows that my my investigation of every single trial ever done on all of the vaccines in our childhood schedule, which is about 16 vaccines given in 72 total doses on average per state uh, uh, per 18-year-old child. They get 72 doses uh, by the time uh, they're 18. Not one of those vaccines ever was in a proper controlled trial where they used a saline injection as the placebo. And so where people want to separate the COVID vaccine like it's an aberration, it actually is proving the point that I've been attempting to make with politicians that I talk to all around this nation since 2016 when I got into this. We have a serious problem with the way vaccines are made. They are not going through proper uh, placebo control studies. Therefore, we cannot say that they're safe. And we are turning our children and now adults with this adult vaccine mandate into, you know, human test subjects in the largest experiments that have ever been going. And to really lay this out, I guess I wouldn't really have anything to say about it if we had the healthiest children we'd ever seen, if we had the healthiest adults and the healthiest nation we've ever seen. But here's the fact. Back when we were only getting 10 vaccines prior to 1986, when we took away that liability and started protecting the manufacturer, back when it was only 10 vaccines, the overall, you know, rate of 
of chronic illness, which includes autoimmune disease and neurological disorders, that rate was about 12.4% in all of our children in the United States of America. Now that we've accelerated this vaccine program from the 10 vaccines to 54 vaccines, 54 shots with multiple viruses and bacteria, right? So that's what gets you to the 72, but 54 shots compared to 10 shots. We have watched that, you know, that autoimmune disease and neurological disorders, that overall, you know, issue in health and children go from 12.4% to 54% of our mm. children in the United States of America have a chronic illness they will be dealing with the rest of their lives. That is the greatest decline in human health that has ever been recorded. And I believe when you trace it back and you watch the rise in this problem in our children, the rise in autoimmune disease in America, you also see the rise in our vaccination program. We are messing with the immune system. We're throwing the immune system out of whack. And now the immune system is confused and is attacking our own cells. It's going to be one of the major problems of this COVID vaccine, we're going to see autoimmune diseases and cancers. We're seeing them explode already all by the design of these vaccines. So that's the only reason I, you know, I want to go ahead and leave it in the vaccine category because I don't want people to just go to sleep once this vaccine's dead. It's dead in the water. We've proved that it's a disaster. Fauci is probably going to be thrown in jail if I have anything to say in the matter. And a lot of people are going to lose health, you know, confidence in the health department. But they'll try to go back to the original vaccine program and build confidence. I don't want that to happen. We need a better vaccine program. We need real safety trials taking place and that's what we have been, you know, negotiating and trying to make happen with government officials using the court systems to make that happen. So vaccines need better science. They need real science. They need the scientific method where we actually challenge whether the thing is safe or not. You can't just run from animal trials like we did in the COVID vaccines where the animals were dying and having, you know, really bad death side effects and then just rushing into human beings without seeing any adjustment to that product. The only thing that they're doing is blocking any ability to sue them when we die. We're watching athletes plunge head first into the turf in sporting events all around the world, something we've never seen before. Djokovic can't play in tennis, but neither can three other players that have just walked off clutching their hearts at the same tennis tournament that mandated they all had to be vaccinated to be in there. This is now waking up the world to the problems with vaccination. I will admit, I think this COVID vaccine is the most deadly and dangerous vaccine ever made, but that doesn't exonerate all the problems that we've seen and the lack of safety trials on all the other vaccines that people are lining up for with no knowledge of how they're made or the lack of actual scientific integrity that surrounds this program. Wow. Now I know how I make other people feel. That was an out that was that was that was an outstanding soliloquy there, brother. Tell people yet again how can they follow your work if they want okay. to do so. Please just go to thehighwire.com. That's H-I-G-H, uh, thehighwire.com. Uh, I've asked people every Thursday we do a live show, 11 a.m. Pacific time, uh, where we get into all of the science. We debunk all the lies coming from mainstream media. As I said, we have an incredible track record. And we uh, use a, a protocol we call the High Wire Protocol, which is if you sign up to our newsletter, you don't have to pay to be a part of it. You don't have to pay to watch our show. But we send out a newsletter every Monday after our Thursday show with hyperlinks to all of the scientific evidence, all the peer-reviewed science, all of the studies that we're talking about, all of the articles 
articles and the videos that we show are in your inbox so that you can challenge me, so that you can read the whole thing and see if I'm cherry picking, so that you don't have to tell your friends, hey, this is what Del Bigtree said, that you can say, actually, this is a study by the CDC. We're unearthing all of that credible evidence to make our point, and that is why we've been so successful with the truth. So if you want to be a part of that, if you want to know what's really going on, please join us at thehighwire.com. Dell, appreciate the time. We'll do it again. All right, take care. All right, Steve. Keep up the good work. You bet. You too. All right, thoughts on that conversation that we just had with Dell Bigtree. Aaron, you should go. You know what I think. That well, was awesome. It was just serendipitous timing. I just saw this tweet from Aaron Siri. I believe that's of uh, Siri and Glimstad, the law firm that's been pursuing numerous FOIA requests. I think that's his guy. It, correct. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, White House email obtained on behalf of the uh, Informed Consent Action Network, Decide Network, or uh, what have you, shows Facebook, Merck, and CDC Foundation, whose sponsor includes Pfizer, form an alliance, quote, to use social media and digital platforms to build confidence in and drive uptake of vaccines. Yep. So, throw another shrimp on the barbie. That's that's fashioning a narrative. Yep. Yes. That's hey. not doing science. It's fashioning a narrative, as you've said, from this beginning, from from the very beginning. Has there any been anything at all that's been driven actually any any part of the narrative at all, any little part of the narrative at all that's been driven by science, whether accidentally or overtly, anything at all? Fauci said one time in some one-off interview, he takes a bunch of vitamin D. Is that the closest to actual science yeah. and virology that he's ever gotten in the last two years? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I like what he said about the scientific method there. Because science is a method. Science isn't an ideology. Science isn't a narrative. Science is a, is a, is a method for uncovering and or confirming truths. That's what science is. It's a method. But part of that method is the ability to question it. Part of that method, in order to confirm something, you need alternatives to test it, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what we're being denied because there's zero science here. It's, it's zero science, all narrative. That's all that it is. Pop Culture Tuesday is next. My final list of the 10 best movies I saw in 2021 coming your way in a moment. So if you're thinking of buying property, maybe it's an investment or just a change, you know, in Panama, you could be up to 10 times richer. It's a high income nation, not just the dusty third world as its reputation precedes itself. Uh, it also uses the U.S. dollar as its currency. And yet every dollar in your bank account in Panama is worth up to 10 times more than it's worth right now in the U.S., uh, multiply whatever your savings number, your cash flow number, multiply that by 10. So if you want to take a look at uh, why Panama has become one of the more popular retirement places, expatriate places uh, in, in the hemisphere, you want to get a free look at this. It's 100% free for you right now to head over to buypanamanow.com slash Steve. That's buypanamanow.com slash Steve. Um, and you'll get a free information packet there that'll show you a little bit more 
about another option on the table if you're tired of inflation, devaluation, currency manipulation, etc. All right. Uh, BuyPanamaNow.com slash Steve. Just a little um, uh, final thought on the interview we just did with Del Bigtree over at the High Wire. There, there were two or three other questions in my head I was planning on asking him about. I wanted to get into um, what's truly behind the ongoing denial of natural immunity. Um, and where this is trending in the future, given the work he has done on the issues associated with COVID up until this point, where does he think this trend line is going in the future, especially in light of the email I shared on our show last week that was given to me by a friend of mine who belongs to a nationally recognized consortium of doctors who consult uh, with major sports leagues. Like you just saw today, the NHL now is going to follow the NFL They're going to stop testing asymptomatic people, right? Notice they did that in the NFL about two weeks ago. We just played, uh, what was it, uh, 12 playoff or or 12 teams. 12 teams played playoff games this past weekend. Nobody missed a game. We've got the highest average daily case rate for COVID we have ever had right now. And yet, in the dead of winter, 12 teams played NFL playoff games with packed stadiums and no one missed a game because of covid how about that funny how that works magic it is it is magic but you know what he was on such a roll and i i I think that's a soliloquy that um, of a of another perspective that our audience needed to hear so i just decided to shut up and get out of the way and let it roll so but i there were several other things i wanted to ask dell about but he also had some things he wanted to say so I let him have the time. Well, you heard there, if I have failed to adequately let you know what I mean by the magical power of vaccines, you should understand it now. How we have been conditioned to simply accept the the voodoo of all of this. And that's, Steve, why your question is so important. Where this is going forward, what would we unconditionally accept as the people who have fallen in love with this. And as Aaron just said, they don't want any, they're, they're forming a dark alliance to make sure nobody questions what they're doing. What kind of ubermensch nonsense do they have in store, Steve, for what jabs, what pills, what, uh, see, I think that's one of to me, there are three reasons to deny natural immunity. One is there's no money in it. That's the most craven reason. Okay. Correct. But, the other, the other is, but our politicians that, that are losing elections because of recessions and job losses, that ain't helping them. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So they all can't get hired to be lobbyists for Pfizer after losing their jobs, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that could be a motivation for big pharma. There's no money in it. But that's not going to make the entire political class go along. Because not everybody has, not everybody's Nancy Pelosi where mm-hmm. you can, you've got the connections to grow your portfolio while mm-hmm. you're the House Speaker. You know, that's not going to make the entire political system go along. The other two might. A, or or number two, this is an acknowledgement of the synthetic origin of the virus, and therefore we are unsure of which natural laws apply. That would do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And the third one would too, which is we need to condition people to accept 
a never-ending uh, a never-ending protocol of jabs for an ever-widening and expanding range and menu of ailments. And this is the moment to do so. And beyond jabs, we're talking about uh, implanting computer chips. As I understand, even in the latest Boba Fett, they're like there's people involved that are trying to enhance themselves mm-hmm. with various yep. you know, all of that. Where does Cybernetics, this go? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's um, it was a fascinating conversation uh, for sure, uh, and uh, and we'll definitely have him back. Let's get to uh, pop culture Tuesday, shall we? Uh, to wrap things up here today, and I have now. Check the box. I went on my, I, I did this uh, in the fall, right before the, the next round of major releases came out. And then I had kind of a mental checklist of the movies I wanted to see that I thought could be categories to make this list before I finalized it. I went through that entire list, watched them all. A few, a couple of them made the list. Several of them did not. Okay. But I now present to you my final list of the top 10 movies I saw in 2021 and why in order. Okay. So we'll start with number 10. All right. Number 10 is nobody. And if you are Todd and I's age or a little older, somewhere in that age range, okay, this movie is your Rocky. All right. I mean, this is, this is a cross between Rocky and Gran Torino and falling down and the born identity. It's a little bit of all of those, of all of those things. All right. He's just a nobody, man. He's just a dad who's him and his wife. Uh, they're not intimate anymore. The teenage kids kind of don't care about his opinion anymore. He's just going through the rote machinations of living in the suburbs, right? How many how many stories like this can we tell, right? Except what the family don't know doesn't know is he comes with a particular set of skills from his past, and when his past comes back to haunt him. That particular set of skills comes back as well, except he's not quite in as good a shape as he used to be. It's just, I love the film. Uh, my wife loved the film. Everybody I've recommended this film to loved it as well. Nobody is number 10 on the list. Number nine uh, on the list is Dune. Now, I still need to watch this movie like two or three more times because I didn't get a lot of it. So why is this on the list? For a movie... That's this difficult to uh, to access because I, I didn't read the books growing up. I loosely know what the plot line is. Several times I try to get through the 80s version of this movie and have just never been able to do it. The David Lynch one of Dune. Um, I This movie, much like the first, uh, like Fellowship of the Ring, it just drops you right in the middle of the story and assumes you know everybody. And if you don't, you're kind of well left behind. Okay, And yet, like the Fellowship of the Ring, the compelling way that the story is told and the stunning visuals had me absolutely enthralled, even though when it was over, I'm not entirely sure what it was about. Okay, so like Return of the King or like um, Fellowship of the Ring, where I kind of loosely knew what those things were about, but didn't hadn't read the books yet. I'll have to go back, read the book, watch the movie another couple of times, especially with the closed captioning on. Cause there's a lot of names and stuff that I'm just like, okay, these are weird names. I can't follow some of this stuff. Okay. But it's a fantastically done film. So it is number nine on my list. Uh, number eight, uh, on my list is the last duel. This is not like a, a typical Ridley Scott film. It does have some of the Ridley Scott elements with, 
the final sanctioned duel in the history of medieval France. And it was about whether um, a knight had ended up uh, raping the wife of a lord or whether um, she consented uh, to the activity. And, and how this splits the upper crust of society in medieval France. It's very well done. Very well acted. Would, would highly recommend. That's why it's on my list. It's number eight on my list. Number seven is Free Guy. All right. So Free Guy is Fun Guy. Free Guy is, is, the, is the most fun philosophy class you have ever taken. Right. All right, this is like if Mark Harmon's character in summer school taught your philosophy one-on-one in college and had 21st century CGI, it would be this movie. And Ryan Reynolds is peak Ryan Reynolds. He's kind of the same character like in every movie now. Um, but man, he pulls this shtick off very well. It's just, it's a lot of fun. It's very well done. And it, um, it's, you know what? It's charming. Yep. That's a good word for it. This is the first one I've seen. It's a charmer. Yeah. It takes all the best of like Truman Show, Lego Movie, The Matrix, Mm -hmm. and it it understands exactly what it's trying to accomplish, which is why it's charming. I mean, the moment, I won't spoil it, but the moment that involves the cameo from the the actor, uh, Chris Evans, who plays Captain America, Mm -hmm. it just, it perfectly understands what it's doing and why. It's fun. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. All right, number, what number are we on? Six is the Tender Bar, Amazon original movie, just released before the end of the year. I'm, it's based on a best-selling book I have not read. This movie will not be for everybody. Um, but for those of us who grew up in this time period, and I'm projecting here a little, I'll admit that, there's a lot of parallels to my own upbringing here. Um, and... Um, it's it's gritty, but it's honest. It has a heart. There's a redemptive element to it as well. It Essentially, the story is, how do you break cycles of dysfunction internally as a family? Especially because there, there is a priest who's a reoccurring character in this film. But even he admits during the film that the church basically is irrelevant in most people's lives nowadays. So without that external influence internally within a family dynamic dynamic how do you break a cycle of dysfunction and ben affleck's uncle charlie is not by any stretch uh father knows best but he gives it his best shot and it's earnest and it's sincere and um this movie kind of has a you mentioned you know the vibe of this movie it reminded me a lot of mask with with Ben Affleck kind of playing the uh, the Sam, um, um, oh, who's the boyfriend? It's Sam. What's his name? Not Waterston. That's the guy from like Law and Order. Sam Shepard. Um, beef uh, the beef commercial guy. I can't remember his oh. last name. That's Sam. Whatever his name is. Okay, but he plays kind of the the ruggish uh, boyfriend, biker boyfriend with a heart and mask. That's kind of a little bit Sam Elliott. Thank yep. you, Ron. Uh, that's kind of the role that Ben Affleck plays here. All right, to mentor uh, his uh, his the, the fatherless nephew. It, it's just the movie is exceedingly well done. Uh, it's number six on my list. Number five uh, is King Richard, and uh, I thought Will Smith uh, as Richard Williams was phenomenal 
in this film with with all the if you, if you remember him during his pop culture moment at the ascension of Venus and the initial ascension of Venus and Serena, it doesn't pull any punches along those lines. All of the various complexities of Richard Williams are displayed, but it is very well done, very well acted, very honest. Um, not enough people saw this film. And I'm, I think Will Smith is deserving of all of the nom- award nominations this season he is getting for it. So King Richard is number five on my list. Number four is Zack Snyder's Justice League. Um, it, it's a masterpiece from a comic book movie perspective. Absolute masterpiece. And it just, it, it, it nearly flawless. It's nearly an, an, an Avengers Endgame level event. Like I'd put it on par with like a Winter Soldier kind of a Marvel film. I think it's that good. Um, and, and it's an undoing or it's, it, it's a, it's a making up for one of the worst pop culture mistakes of all time. As my son likes to say often to me, does Warner brothers like making money? Okay. So Zack Snyder's justice league is number four. Number three is we're going to the next comic book movie, Spider-Man, no way home. Um, it's just a, it's the it's it's Spider-Man meets Empire Strikes Back basically is that fair particularly with the way that it ends and and everything else with all the main characters are in flux and where do they go and they're in a position of uncertainty right mm-hmm. but there's a little little nod that there could be some hope for the future um the 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 chemistry between Benedict Cumberbatch and uh Tom Holland is top notch uh, so it, it, this movie, of course, is going to go down as one of the biggest earners in the history of motion pictures at this point. Number two uh, on my list is Don't Look Up, uh, which I think is the best film that Netflix is, uh, original film Netflix has ever done. I put it a notch below an idiocracy, but kind of on par with an office space in terms of its quality. But its level of satire and brutal, brutally honest observation of our current body politic and media industrial complex sticks the freaking landing. And then the truth it tells at the end as disaster comes. And what is, what is it that we as a species really want more than anything? Reconciliation with ourselves and God. That's what happens at the end. Brilliantly done. And and another one of those movies, do they know what they're really saying sometimes? Mm -hmm. Right. And then my number one movie that I saw this year it was number one in the update that I gave you in the, a few months ago. It finished that way. Is another Benedict Cumberbatch film, The Courier. Uh, exceedingly well done, uh, and this—that's why it's number one. Uh, it's a true, based on a true story of a, a British salesman who ends up finding himself unwittingly as a spy during the Cuban Missile Crisis apex of the Cold War. And Cumberbatch is phenomenal in this film. It is it, the pacing, the storytelling is high quality, top notch. Absolutely the best movie that I saw last year. All right. Quick thought from you guys here after I remind the audience about our friends at Patriot Mobile. When there's an opportunity to do business with people who share our values, please take full advantage of it because we don't get that all the time these days. And one of the places that applies to all of us, because we pretty much all have a mobile phone, is with Patriot Mobile. We made the switch with our family. We put it off for too long. And then finally, we're like, why are we still paying money to people who hate us when we don't have to? But we thought it was going to be a big hassle. It wasn't. They took care of us. They'll take care of you. They have an outstanding customer service team, veterans and first responders. You make uh, even more in uh, in savings and discounts for your service. They want to thank you even more. For the rest of you right now, get a free activation with the offer code DACE. 
when you go to patriotmobile.com slash dace. That's patriotmobile.com slash dace. Or call them at 972-PATRIOT. All right, very quick thought, 10 seconds each on the list. Can't wait to see uh, King Richard uh, and nobody. Can't believe you put Spider-Man ahead of Zack Snyder. Hmm. Can't wait to see Free Guy. Really want to watch that. All right. We're going to stick around and record the overtime for subscribers. For the rest of you, we will see you tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.